Welcome to the She Yearns Podcast. I am Cherry Strange, and I am so thankful you have joined us today. Thank you for being a part of this community. The She Yearns community exists to lead women to desire more of God in everyday life, making Him evident and desirable to others. Welcome to the podcast today. We are talking about planning to succeed. This is part one. I don't know about you, but the average American adds between 5 and 14 pounds to their body weight over the holiday season. I'm likely average, but I gave up weighing after my second child was born. She's almost 17, and I'm much happier for it. Even without a number off the scale, I am well aware of my own excessive culinary indulgences these last few weeks and find myself looking very close to average most Januaries. (laughs) Too often, these allowances have creeped into other areas of my life by the end of the year. I find myself less disciplined in general. It's too cold to jog. I'm too busy to carve the time to, well, you fill in the blank, whatever I should be doing. I sleep less than normal with all the extra responsibilities. And these lackadaisical moves slide into my spiritual life. The bottom line issue with these movements is that these are really disciplines I should be doing. I find myself crying inwardly to get back to where I'm supposed to be. By this time, I'm ready for a reboot. I do not want to settle for simply digressing or letting myself get comfortable with mediocrity or the passing of time and let gravity have its way without a fight, not in my spiritual life or my physical body or otherwise. So, what's a girl to do? Make a plan to succeed. That's what a girl's got to do. You and I need a plan for rebooting ourselves. You know what this looks like. People start the year out fighting for treadmills at the gym. Hundreds and thousands purchase new memberships and go faithfully for about... I don't know, three weeks. (laughs) Many start diets. People quit bad habits. Many start new, healthier ones. They resolve for a better self in the coming year. And that's not really a bad thing. It's just that these plans don't generally work for the long haul if we go out on our own. And that's true about any plans we construct and set about doing. You and I need a plan to succeed. This type of planning doesn't originate with us, but with the Lord. He is the one who sets our plan to succeed in motion from the get-go. How do we allow God to plan our plan to succeed? Well, we simply look at His Word, and I found just the thing in Matthew 6. Matthew 6 is rich with instruction from Jesus. He warns. He teaches us how to pray. He comforts his people by calling us from uh, worry and anxiety. And he directs us to what is most important. And wrapped in between these, he addresses what reads like ordinary Christian practices. He speaks about them as if he expects you and I will simply be doing them. Just like those things I'm looking to get back to with my new reboot. If you and I will begin here... And let his word saturate us and allow him to plan our next year. 
we can't help but succeed. What we find in Matthew 6 to make up sort of the umbrella for our plan to succeed is first a warning and three practices together with how-tos and cautions to incorporate into our lives. Jesus opens with a warning in verse 1. It says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. We don't have to worry about Jesus missing the nail on the head to get us on the path for success. He begins fast and furious by addressing one of the biggest hindrances that could stop us before moving a millimeter further. Our pride. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Your God is mostly concerned about you and moving you toward godliness. You and I are mostly concerned about what other people think about you and I. God is giving us a stern warning here. Let us not do that this year. Instead, let us heed the warning. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For most of us who are women, we can get sucked into dramas and competitions. These are our downfalls. We can create them or we can be shoved into them. And before we know it, we are indeed practicing our righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them because they had it coming. Please don't hear that I've got this one down because I don't. I am planning to succeed just like you. The warning is for me and you. But this is not my first rodeo on the issue. Here's the argument that plays in my head when I'm tempted to engage. Take it or leave it. And I'm, I'm mainly talking here about girls with girls, women with women. This is the reasoning that literally comes into my mind, in my head, in the heat of the moment, that reminds me not to engage. Now, I don't say this out loud. It's, it's happening in my head, but it helps keep me from evil, if you know what I'm saying. Imagine there is a situation and I'm about to snap. I hear this mental dialogue to myself. Last time I checked, I left high school with its drama and homecoming queen competitions a long time ago. And I don't have to keep living there, even if they do. I am free. Let me give you a personal example. The first time this happened to me that I can remember when I really felt free not to engage not to practice my righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them was a time when I had just arrived at a friend's house. Several of us got together a few times a year socially when a woman who I'm certain was popular in school and used to getting her way came up to me as soon as I walked in, gave me the what for about what I did not do that very much upset her apple cart in front of other people then did a 180 and marched off, leaving me standing there alone, having been humiliated in front of my friends. Now, in another day, in another spiritual and emotional condition, I might have left bawling because <laughs> that's just my, my, in nature, I'm a wallflower by nature, humiliated. But instead, I almost laughed out loud. I'm not there anymore. You see, I'm free. You can try to drag me back into a time when you could control the environment like high school and try to get me to compete for popularity, 
but I don't live there anymore. I'm free. I don't have to engage just because someone makes the offer. Instead, you can say, I'm terribly sorry you feel that way. It was not my intention to, you know, whatever it is, and be done. I'm free. And so are you. God is issuing us a warning not to participate. There are many possible scenarios for this one cautionary word. But this example, I think, can relate well. We are not to engage, not in our words and not in social media, not to redeem ourselves or to make ourselves look good before the competition. If you can, stay off social media or just hide all the people who draw you into this arena. Replace them with causes, organizations, cat videos, uh, things that lift up the body in your life uh, rather than tear it down. Do Use it for good and not for evil. This year, make it your mission as I make it mine not to engage. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Now, there are three elements in this chapter that fall right after this verse I want to hit on. What struck me the most about these is the language. Three times Jesus uses the same phrase, when you, following it up with an action. That language communicates the expectation that these are things that are not new introductions into our routines, but part of our daily lives we are expected to already be doing and following Christ. If we are going to plan for success, these are three practices we just can't gloss over. Number one has to do with giving. The first is found in the following verse, and it is a continuation of the theme of verse one. Not to do anything to gain the praise of man, or you will lose your reward in heaven. Verse two says this, Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you that they have received their reward. Jesus is making the assumption we are giving to those in need. He is assuming that we are living life with our eyes wide open to those around us, even when it's inconvenient and costs us. Giving according to Christ is not an extra, if we have extra, only for the super spiritual and wealthy. When you give... If you and I are going to be successful in terms of the Christian life, in terms of making an eternal impact, giving is what we will be doing. And he wants to make sure we understand that there is a huge difference between doing it for show and for yourself and doing it for him. I understand we have made it difficult sometimes to give in secret, but it can still be done quietly and securely. It can be done on larger scales, but it can also be done on smaller ones. We were beneficiaries of a huge lot of goodies this season. It was a neighbor, but I have no idea who. You can still place something in the mail anonymously. There is a guy at our church always in the know about the needs of people. We can just slide up to him between services and ask, Do you know anyone who needs, you know, whatever? And it has been our experience and the experience of many others that God will have aligned the needs of the provider and of the person in need in perfect harmony. Always remember, God has placed you and your circumstances in your sphere of influence 
exactly where he needs you to be for them, not for your own comfort or for mine. As you set out with God to plan your year, we now are certain it's biblical, never an if, but rather a how, where, and when would he have you give issue. The second thing Jesus instructs us about is prayer. Just something he expects we'll be incorporating into our lives. He tells us about it in verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. And then the following verses in 8 through 15, he gives us the pattern for prayer. Jesus assumes prayer will be part of what we do. So much so, he says it uh, three times. And when you pray, this is a huge given that he is particular about. You and I can get prayer wrong. But it's not rocket science. The underlying question here seems to concern motive. What is your purpose in praying? Jesus seems to be concerned. It is simply appearance. If you and I are looking to others to satisfy our needs for approval and worth by getting this Jesus follower act down, the one who can actually satisfy and reward is trying to set us straight. Have you ever experienced praying for something that was completely impossible and God did it? Have you ever been in a dark place, cried out to God and he came through for you? Was there ever a time when you didn't have enough, enough money or time or ability or whatever and you prayed and then someone showed up with what you needed or somehow you were able to get it done or you don't even know how you were able to do that? God came through. Have you noticed that if you are a believer, that there are things that you used to do you don't enjoy doing anymore that were not good or healthy because you recognized by the Holy Spirit this is not God honoring and you prayed and asked God to help you change and He did. Have you had trouble in a relationship, prayed to God to help and direct, and you have seen Him move in ways No one would believe otherwise. Have you ever needed help and didn't know what to do? You didn't even know how to pray, but you prayed anyway. And somehow something worked out and, and you made it. God be the glory. These are evidences of the Father's hand on all of our lives. We are stopping short to be concerned about what others think about us when we pray. We should be reminded of all these workings of God and stammer in awe. Then you and I will forget everyone else. We won't care what they think. And instead, we will be focused on the source of our strength, the reason for our praying, and the person in whom we are trusting. When we naturally incorporate this kind of prayer into our everyday Christian life, only God knows the phenomenal success he will bring. The third thing Jesus mentions as just a normal expectation is found in verse 16. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, 
for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Fasting. I know, I know. This one is not maybe what you expected. It's not as common as prayer or giving. In fact, some of you may need to make sure it's actually there as I read it. That's great. Let me help you. I'm reading from the ESV. Thank but you it's again virtually for in just in about every version of the Bible I can find in the same way. Every week. You can't I would get away from this one. We find it and it really elsewhere. makes a difference when Once you share something. Once when the Pharisees and even John's disciples were fasting, you people were complaining that you Jesus' disciples were not fasting as they were. Your suggestion Jesus gave this defense from Mark 2, 19 and 20. And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. Don't the days will like come Facebook, when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then For more they will fast gospel-centered. There are several examples of fasting in the Bible, go to places that warrant further attention and study at another time. Where you one particular example plans, I want to focus on today is Daniel. To help in the book of Daniel, for we learn he was taken to Babylon along with other exiles from Jerusalem for the purpose of raising and training these men up into the king's service. In the book of Daniel, chapter 1, verse 12, Daniel asked to be given only vegetables and water instead of the royal food for 10 days. After this time, the guard found Daniel and his companions to be healthier and better nourished than those who had eaten the royal foods. Another time in Daniel, uh, chapter 10, 2 and 3, Daniel talks about a 21-day fast accompanied with prayer with a purpose. It says, In those days I, Daniel, was mourning for three days. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. We find out later in verses 12 and 13 that there was a spiritual battle ensuing during the same time period Daniel did not know about, but clearly participated in through his fasting and prayer. It says, Then he, the angel, said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me twenty-one days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia. Now, all the man did was make the choice to stop eating cheeseburgers and pizza and putting on lotion for 21 days to devote himself to prayer because somehow he knew he needed focused, personal prayer. And lo and behold, something big was going on in the periphery of the heavenly realm that he couldn't see, but he could participate in. And because Daniel ate veggies instead of delicacies of the day and focused on prayer for those days, an important battle was won in the heavenlies and Daniel himself benefited. Verse 14 says, And I, the angel, came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is for the days yet to come. Get out of town! Can you take all of this in? Daniel participated in heavenly activity to the degree that battles were won and not lost. And he personally received blessing in the form of greater understanding with a closer relationship with God, something all of us are moving toward by denying himself in this way. Jesus said, 
not in the Old Testament, not limited to wild stories of battles between unseeable kings and heavenly forces, but to his disciples regarding the normal Christ-following activity when you fast. He assumes fasting will just be part of our routines. I personally can talk days about this one. I've seen God move almost literal mountains over this. I know what I speak of. Of this, I can testify. So my advice is to find a way to participate. Take your medical condition and your age into consideration. Currently, I cannot do what I have done in the past due to some medication and health issues. However, I don't know many people who cannot and would not benefit from choosing fruit and veggies over cheeseburgers and pizzas for a few days. There is something widely known as the Daniel Fast that I would like to propose to you. We have done the Daniel Fast to begin the new year in some form or fashion for the greater part of our married life. So a good 15 or more years. It's not difficult and it serves as a way to center my heart on what God wants for my life in the next year. There are a lot of resources available for exactly how to do it. I have a board on Pinterest dedicated to fasting. If you're uh, wanting to go to Pinterest, you can see Cherry Strange on the site and just snag anything I've pinned. This year, what we're doing is actually a little bit shorter because of our calendar. But typically, we do about 10 days that include fruits and vegetables and grains. This gets us back on track toward healthy living. But somewhere along the road... Giving up the delicacies, the chocolate, the meat, etc. reminds me of who is in charge of my life. My focus moves beyond health and my desire to physically feel better to why I'm making sacrifices. Jesus just assumed we would fast as part of our Christian walk of faith. As much as he assumes we will pray and keep our eyes peeled for those in need. If you and I are going to plan to succeed in the coming year, we have some solid footing in Mark on which to begin. When we come before the Lord to shape where He wants to take us and who He wants us to become, let me suggest, first of all, heed the warning not to engage. This year, you and I, let us not be sucked into being concerned about what other people think or take part in any more homecoming queen contest. We are free. However, we do need to put three things into practice and strive to keep them there in order to experience genuine success. Number one, we need to allow God to determine who, when, and where we are giving. Number two, we need to pray in a way that it's focused on Him and His capability and not on us. And thirdly, we need to make fasting part of our normal Christ-following experience. Oh, what might the next year bring to you when these elements are incorporated into your life? Or maybe for the first time. Maybe it's more than the year before. May God do more than we can ask or imagine in the coming months and year for His glory. Thank you again for tuning in today. We will be releasing a new episode every week. I would invite you to become a subscriber. And it really makes a difference when you share something here that you find helpful or encouraging. You make an impact. You may never understand the value or difference your suggestion or encouragement made in the life of a friend or casual acquaintance just by passing a resource along. So please share what you find here with others. I would personally be grateful. 
Don't hesitate to like us on Facebook or Twitter or leave a review. For more truth-saturated, gospel-centered, spiritually insightful encouragement, please go to www.sheyearns.com where you will find reading plans, articles, and other resources to help stir a desire for God into your everyday life.